0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton.
1: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney.
2: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. How many times have you had to deal with that annoying pop-up ad when you go on the Internet? Well, Google is now trying to do something about it if you use their Chrome web browser. They are now using an ad blocker to make the experience hopefully better for consumers. But what impact will it have for users as well as on business, on the business end for Google itself? We turn that question and others to Andrea Matwishan, who is a professor of law and professor of computer science at Northeastern University as well as an affiliate scholar at the Center for Internet and Society at Stanford University and also joining us uh, uh, is Zubair Shafiq, who is an assistant professor in computer science at the University of Iowa. Andrea, as always, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Zubair, great to have you with us. Yep, nice talking to you. Thank you. So, Andrea, give us a kind of a rundown here of of what consumers are actually going to see, and, and what are your thoughts on uh, Google taking this step?
0: Sure. So, what we have here is, an industry consensus that was created through a standard setting body that a certain category of the worst offenders of internet advertisements that block usability and people having easy access to the underlying content on websites, these are the ads that Google has decided it's going to take a step on blocking And this is a positive step for users, certainly, but it's only going to affect estimates, say, approximately 1% of the types of ads that we see. But nevertheless, it is a positive step because it addresses some of the worst offenders in terms of making the web difficult to use for the rest of us, for consumers.
2: Zabair,
1: what are your thoughts? So there are some opinions
0: um, which
1: actually say that this does not go far enough. So people are not people are frustrated with online ads not just because of they have bad usability they are intrusive and whatnot but it is also because they actually lead to um, security issues hackers use online advertising to launch attacks this is very common and most of these ads are actually fueled by a widespread um, tracking network which intrudes on user privacy. So some people think the ads which are being blocked by Google's ad filtering approach, they are only u- looking at the usability criteria. But it is ignoring the security and privacy concerns of consumers. So it doesn't go far enough.
2: Well, I, I guess, Andrew, then the next question beyond that, if if, if you are somebody that is in that mindset, uh, are there steps you think that can be taken to expand even beyond that that 1% number we're talking about?
0: Yes, there are certainly third-party plugins that you can download that will block additional advertising on your own browser <clears throat> with extensions. The challenge is that sometimes these individual downloaded uh, add-ons will either miss some of the advertising that you are hoping they will block or they will block too much and make certain sites harder to, use for you. But nevertheless, there are third-party solutions that help. And though I completely uh, agree uh, with my esteemed co-commentator that there are serious security concerns uh, that ads present. And so uh, Google, I think, does better than, than many sites in thinking about the impact of third-party security, for example, in their listings, in their search engine, they will flag unsafe, uh, air quotes, as they deem them uh, to try to protect users. And so um, I agree that we can certainly step up this uh, third party the auditing function to make the web safer and ultimately everyone benefits because advertisers who are providing advertisements that are presented in a way that, nevertheless, uh, engage users in inobtrusive formats, they win because users are more likely to not be mad at them and perhaps purchase their products. And certainly nobody needs security-compromised websites, and that would lead to loss of trust in the web and commerce through the Internet.
2: We definitely don't want that as a society. Well, and when you're looking at uh, this part of the Internet and the advertising piece to it, uh, and, and these ads specifically, uh, I, I think there's probably still a lot of, of question amongst consumers and people using the Internet of who is really responsible for these these type of ads popping up. So who, who in your mind, I don't want to necessarily say blame, but, but who is responsible for this?
1: So a lot of these um, bad experiences happen on news websites because news websites drive a majority of revenue through advertising. And it is like easy to fall into the trap that you can think that I can make more money if I just put in a lot more ads on my site. And I allow ads which actually involve much more tracking. And when you fall into that trap, you are more susceptible to having uh, bad ads uh, which harm usability, which also... Um, a price
2: of user privacy and security 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions we're talking about the addition of Google and the ad blocker that they are going to use on their Chrome uh, f- uh platform 844-942-7866 or if you'd like send us a comment on Twitter and we can bring it up on the show in that manner at Biz Radio 111 B-I-Z Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So in terms of all of the companies that, that kind of encompass search right now, Andrea, uh, where do we stand on the use of ad blockers? And obviously it seems like we need to go further at some point.
0: So we see these initial first steps being done with respect to helping protect consumers against security problems and against uh, overly intrusive ads. Um, But much of what can be done is happening under the hood. For example, the specifications that search engines and news websites and third-party content aggregators can create for anyone wanting to do business with them and provide ads to them, those agreements should exclude specific formatting instructions that prohibit certain kinds of overly intrusive or dangerous code in, in ads. And so the enforcement of those agreements is part of this equation, too. Uh, so you need to have the agreements and enforce them. And, and indeed, and I'll make a perhaps controversial statement, but I suspect that part of what is fueling the public's move towards social media for consuming news Yeah. Part of that move is driven by this annoyance from overly intrusive advertisements. When you get your news from Twitter or Facebook, you have a pre-curated list, and your initial cut in just seeing the headlines doesn't involve getting exposed to random, overly intrusive ads in a way that you're not expecting because you have set some modicum of control over the way that Twitter and Facebook present your content generally. Uh, And that's potentially part of what's pushing that move to social media for news. So uh, advertisers uh, should hopefully take a step back and realize that there's a win-win in having ads that are less intrusive but nevertheless are not shunned by the very target audiences that they're trying to reach.
1: Zubair? Yeah, so I think one of the things that can be immediately done by Chrome, um, so Google's um, web browser, is to make this criteria more strict, even if we are only looking at usability. So right now, the criteria to block certain ads comes from this Coalition for Better Ads. They have come up with this Better Ads Standard. And right now, the initial standard asks web browsers to block only four out of roughly 50 different ad experiences. So there are many more ad experiences which are certainly annoying to users. So I do expect going forward that as this standard evolves, as more and more um, uh, advertisers get involved and more consumer advocacy groups also get involved in this process, that the Coalition for Better Ads will consider the possibility of including other types of intrusive ad experiences um, to be blocked by default in web browsers.
2: How big of a problem in your mind is this uh, level of malicious advertising right now, Zubair?
1: It's actually a big problem right now. And we hear these reports all the time. And, for example, it was recently reported for Forbes. So Forbes was Um, actually running uh, ad block detector. So when they would actually detect that people on their site are using an ad blocker, they would stop them and force them to disable their ad blocker. And right after that, um, Forbes was actually susceptible to malicious advertising. Their website was used to serve malicious ads, which would trick people into installing bad software. So this is a common occurrence, and this is not something that is going to go away anytime soon simply because of the complexity of the online advertising. Basically, websites have practically little control over what kind of ads are shown on their sites. It means they cannot regulate this.
2: Okay, I'm sorry. Andrew. go ahead.
0: Um, Yes, so it's certainly a a big problem, and it's going to expand into other types of potentially dangerous situations. So really this question of security, of third-party content, generally ties into the broader questions of security that, Dan, you and I have talked about many times on this show. Yeah. And it's about keeping control of the information that's within the scope of your enterprise. If there's something being piped into your site, you need to take reasonable precautions to ensure that you're not exposing your user base to a potentially dangerous situation, because it will blow back on you, both from a, a, a public relations standpoint, but if Essentially, will legally arrive at the point where there is a type of almost premises-like approach to a website. I, I made this analogy in an article I wrote a long time ago. If you're a store in physical space and you're selling things and you're inviting customers in, when someone's in your store, you have a duty to make sure that that store is safe right. for your customer. Right. And we haven't extended that doctrine to the web, but it's a very, very logical extension for us to engage in. You are inviting these people in, and as a consequence, you are sort of their caretaker in that situation because they don't know what they're going to encounter on your website. And we're seeing this with ads, but we're also seeing it, for example, with unpatched vulnerabilities that are being leveraged to insert things like cryptocurrency miners basically turning – the unwitting consumer masses into miners that are collaborating un- uh, without consent, in uh, unknowingly mining coins for the person who is pulling the strings behind the scene and has injected this code into websites. So this is about advertising, but it's actually about security yeah. more broadly. And about exploiting consumers in ways that they don't even know are happening and harnessing their computing power for things that they don't want to be participating
2: in. Well, and and when you're comparing the two, I mean, we're talking about uh, the the problem of of these issues being dealt with with the companies like the search companies like Google. Uh, The fact that, you know, the Internet is obviously so much larger than individual websites. Obviously, it's, you know, millions of them making it up uh, that the combining together to become the one, the, the concern of the Internet obviously has, has a greater uh, potential positive if you are managing it, it well, but also a greater potential negative if you're not, Andrea.
0: Exactly. Nobody wants to get the reputation as a seller that you have good stuff in your store, oh, but there might be a secret uh, robber who may jump out and take your wallet if you're not paying attention. Nobody wants to get that reputation in physical space. And so it's the same question in the digital marketplace. You need to think as a, as a company, as a seller, or as someone accepting third-party ads, you need to think about that notion of your website as part of your operation and extension of your physical presence and to make sure that people are protected Because you have superior knowledge about the way that that website works versus the unwitting consumer who's just trying to buy something from you or read your articles on your news website, or engage with content in other ways that you're providing.
2: And, and, and it seems like that, obviously, it has to be, Andrea, uh, the companies like Google and, and the, the retailers that are on the internet that have to be at the forefront of this, because for the majority of, uh, you would think, uh, the consumer doesn't have this at the forefront of their thought process. They, you know, they just go along thinking, for the most part, that the internet is a place to be able to find news and, and, and buy things. They don't necessarily go in behind the walls of it to really dig deeper.
0: Yes, exactly. Nor do they have the skills to really analyze the code of a particular website and identify the six potentially malicious threat vectors and assess the full scope of the risk profile that they're assuming on themselves and what the attack surface is. This is something that experienced security experts need to be helping consumers with. And companies like Google have top-notch security teams. And so they are doing a public service by being more aggressive in protecting all of us. And that, as a consequence, will aid their reputation. And so it's a win-win, really, for companies like Google to be leaders in policing the unsafe content on the Internet in terms of the, the code potentially maliciously exploiting user machines. They win, consumers when people trust the Internet more, everyone makes money. It's a, a logical step forward.
2: We are joined on the phone by Andrea Mitwishan of uh, Northeastern University, Zubair Shafiq of the University of Iowa. We're talking about uh, Google's uh, adding in an ad blocker to their Chrome uh, platform, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Zubair, when you think about the business side of this for a second and Google taking this step, how do you think this impacts them as a company if they are, you know, being the lead on this, uh, you would think that there will be some consumers that feel more comfortable using the Google Chrome web browser than they would using another browser.
1: Yeah, I think the reason Google has launched ad filter or ad blocker built into Chrome is because they are reacting to this increased propensity among consumers to use ad blockers like AdBlock plus uBlock which block all advertising. So obviously Google makes most of their money from advertising. So they want to make sure that if usability is the most important concern for users, they at least block the most intrusive ads. And this is exactly what they have done, basically. If this plays out well for Google, people will not see very intrusive ads in Chrome and then they, would, don't, they won't have to bother downloading an ad blocker. And this can actually play out well for Google because then they can continue to uh, make money from less intrusive advertising.
2: Andrew, what do you think this means for the other companies with, with uh, web browsers?
0: Well, it certainly, <clears throat> certainly encourages them to consider similar measures and potentially to compete. And to step up the game and become the browser that is even more user-friendly and more aggressive about blocking ads. And so having good old-fashioned competition happen in this space with respect to consumer protection would certainly be welcome from the side of users who regularly experience uh, unfortunate advertising encounters that limit their ability to, uh, to access content. So hopefully this will spark a horse race of sorts that will end up benefiting consumers and simultaneously preserve the ad ecosystem uh, in a more reasonable way for companies that are engaged with uh, that buying and selling of advertisements.
2: So Bear?
1: Yeah, I would like to point out that um, Chrome is actually not at the forefront of this. So they are actually themselves responding to not only these third-party ad-blocking extensions, but also other browsers having built-in privacy protections. So, for example, Apple has an intelligent tracker prevention tool that they rolled out last year. Similarly, Firefox, with their recent update, they have also built in uh, a tracker blocker tool to protect user privacy. Um, when people are using Firefox. So Chrome is kind of actually, in my opinion, actually lagging behind other leading browsers, um, which are not only trying to protect user privacy, but also help usability. I would also like to point out, another like browser startup, Brave. So it is a browser which has ad blocker built in. So they not only block ads, they also block trackers. And so there's a lot of innovation happening. And I think... Uh, big Internet companies like Google, they actually have a lot of catching up to do if they want to be at the forefront of user experience and help protect user security and privacy.
2: Are, are there still companies out there, Zubair, that have not made this uh, this switch that that are doing uh, uh, web browsing and search?
1: Um, yeah. So I think, for example, Microsoft. Um, so Edge, their new browser, still does not have any built-in support for tracking um or ad blocking. Microsoft is part of the Better Ads um, Consortium, which is um, leading this effort to block ads, which are most intrusive, but they have not yet rolled this out in their web browser. 844-942-7866
2: Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number if you would like to join in. Andrew Matushin of Northeastern University joining us, Zubair Shafiq, uh, joining us uh, from the University of Iowa, Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or if you can't catch your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. With all of this, at least understanding, Andrea, and some of these moves that, that these companies are making, including Google, you're talking about, as we said, you know, a relatively small portion of the ads that, uh, that are seen out there on the Internet right now. That being said, we are moving in the right direction, uh, and it feels like at least the recognition is there that this is something that has to be addressed and will continue to be addressed as we move along.
0: Yes, and I hope that it will stimulate the creation of new business models that are not ad-dependent. We're at the point where the internet is mature enough that there are many people with a discretionary income and willingness to pay for an ad-free internet. And we haven't seen a robust rollout of an ad-free internet business model. In 1999 and 2000, when the internet was still new to most people, it's reasonable to argue that the ad-supported ecosystem was the logical choice to get people hooked on using this new technology platform that provided content, et cetera. But at this point, the internet is so interwoven with every aspect of the daily life of consumers that it's a missed business opportunity not to develop a parallel offering that is ad free. People will pay and will enjoy their browsing experience to a greater extent, and that too will help usability. And so you can have one ad facilitated version of your site and one ad free version of your site Um, and your loyal customers will be more than happy to compensate you as a consequence. Google in particular would be able to roll out an offering like that and um, either through the Chrome browser or through their search engine. Uh, There are lots of different ways to structure it, Um, but people would be willing to engage with an ad free pay as you go structured offering at this point.
2: Zubair, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so I think there is a lot of innovation happening in this space. So Google, for example, has a contributors program, which lets users actually pay for content if they use an ad blocker and visit a site. So if you do feel guilty visiting a site, reading their content while not allowing them to monetize their content through advertising, you can become part of this program. So for YouTube... Uh, In particular, Google has this YouTube Red program where you can have a monthly subscription service and then you won't see ads on YouTube. There are some other interesting innovations happening in this space because of these new technologies like blockchain. Brave, for example, has a blockchain-based solution to actually have uh, publishers earn money when people visit their site. So they have a blockchain-based solution where people can put in some money and as users visit different sites, the browser will automatically uh, distribute money to advertisers which have visits from users.
2: Great having you both with us today. Thank you very much for your insight. Thank you, Andrea Zubair. Thank you as well. Thank you.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.